Hello, welcome to the drive. Uh, nope. Let's start that. All right, over. we're gonna start over. <laughs> All right, hold on. <laughs> it's because I we fire I from the hip here a lot, Simon. You'll see that. Okay, that's perfectly fine. I'm good at doing stuff on the fly. Three, the... two, one. Welcome to the Perfect Guard Podcast. Hello, my name is Cole. I am a host of the Drive Check Podcast, and uh, my co-host is Andy. Hi, everybody. It's already been it's already been a day. It has been a day. It has been a day. And it's not just us today. No, yeah. We have a super special guest. Uh, so thanks for coming on the show, Simon. Uh, Hello. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're here? All right. So uh, my name is Simon. I have been a card game enthusiast my whole life. I am one of the managers at one of the stores that Cole and Andy play card games at, and I play a lot of card games. Uh, they decided to bring me on today because of my experience with the Pokemon trading card game and to talk about a couple different events that I ran this week because I'm a judge for the game and just get a general opinion and feelings how I feel about the game and deck building. Yeah, so if you guys listened last week, which you probably did, otherwise you wouldn't be listening this week, uh, we started our deck building series. It's uh, looking like it's going to be a five-part series. This is episode two, and this is the Pokemon episode. Yeah, the Pokemon. Insert means. copyright infringement music here. Gotta <laughs> catch them sometimes. Ooh, really, we do not have the money for that, so we'll have to, we'll have to edit that out. But I um, just want to forewarn everybody: if I sound like I have a lisp, it is because I got braces, so I do have a lisp for a couple weeks until I get used to them. So, uh, just in case everyone anyone's curious on why my audio sounds. Um, a little, little, little e, and that—that that is why. Cole, you sound beautiful today. I just want you to know that. Ah, uh, thanks. My mouth does not feel beautiful. I'll tell you that. I think he oh. sounds terrible. Wow, that's that's rude. I gotta keep yeah. him in check. Can't let him get yeah. too big for his britches. <laughs> Otherwise, he's gonna leave me in the dust, and I'll have nothing left. Mm, this is true. This is true. All right. Um. All right, so let's, yeah, let's get into things because that's. We usually record in the morning, and today we're recording late, and it's past my bedtime, and I'm Very exhausted. late, I'm sorry. That's no, okay, it's, it's not your fault. I was the one that said, let's record after a Flesh and Blood tournament, and I'm a sleepy <laughs> boy. It's hard, I, it's tiring, kicking so many butts. Do you, do you, here, let's talk about that real quick, because we're fresh off the heels of that one. Sure. So you went to Epic Loot today, correct? Yeah, I played in the Armory at Epic Loot. Um, it was pretty sweet. They actually did some old prizes. Um, oh. I came away with a cold foil Cavdane, uh, Cavdane Trader skins. So, uh, for first place. So I'm super, super happy about that. He's really cool. And if they ever print merchant cards, he's going to be really good. <laughs> aren't they, aren't they doing it in like the new supplemental set? Maybe. I mean, they said that everybody's going to get support, but. I don't know. Uh, it's going to take a lot for him to be playable, right? Yeah, true. true. But he is cool. He's got a cool power. People seem to like him a lot, even though he's not a playable hero. Yeah. But yeah, uh, went 4-0, played Chain. Ah, so he's not dead. He's not dead. Uh, the rumors, never was. The rumors never are not was. true. Ne- never was. Yeah, see, Simon knows. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, the, my one experience learning how to play Flesh and Blood, I learned how to play Bravo against my friend playing Chain, who had come in second at the Big Vegas event, when, and he was teaching me a couple weeks ago. That matchup was not fun. 
Um, I uh, I thoroughly got my teeth kicked in. Yeah. Oh, no. uh, turns out Seeds of Agony is was just not necessary to the operation. Of course, Seeds would be great, and if we had Seeds, the deck would be uh, even more busted. But basically what I did was I looked at the Briar lists that have been doing really well, and a lot mm -hmm. of those Briar lists are leaning very heavily on generic cards like Captain's Call and, and stuff and uh, Enlightened Strikes and such and such plunder runs. And I thought, well, I could do that and just put it in a Shadow Shell and play all a bunch of blood deck cards and that's exactly what i did and it was it was gross it was super fun i'm gonna keep playing chain until rosetta thorn gets banned so <laughs> that sounds about right yeah it was really fun though so shout outs okay. to the boys up at epic loot it was a super fun event and i look forward to uh keeping keeping the chain train alive well congratulations on your four and oh thanks that's not why yeah. we're here. People don't care about that. Yeah, no. No one cares about Flesh and Blood. It's a fad. It's, over. it's a fad. It's a bad game. Don't play it. Uh, so, okay. The real reason why we're here is for a good game that's been around for a million billion years that you guys might have heard of. It's called Pokemon. Um, <laughs> Simon, how did you get started playing Pokemon? Um, well, Pokemon was the first card game that I can remember actually learning how to play the game for as a kid. I had Yu-Gi-Oh cards growing up. Um, I wasn't allowed to have magic cards because of the age rating, but I got Pokemon cards when I was younger and I learned how to play. And I always played casually with my family and with some of my friends, uh, but I never got into the competitive side. I probably, I think it was right around 20, 2018 was when I first started getting into competitive. It was right when the Sun and Moon block had come out, uh, around Guardians Rising and Shining Legends with Zoroark GX, and that was when I really developed a love for the game. Uh, mm. Ever since then, I've been playing on the online client and in paper whenever I can, and I really think the game's been in a good spot for a while. I think a lot of people try to downplay the game's strategic parts because it is marketed towards children, but I think it amplifies the strategy in places that other games don't, and it's just a shift in where the strategy is placed. I so like Pokemon, yeah. I think, is really, really fun, uh, and I really wish more people would give it a fair shot. Yeah, absolutely. If I could touch on that for just a second, you say people are a little deterred from playing it because it seems to be marketed absolutely. towards children. Um I, I agree with you, but something that I found out uh, a little recently within the last year as I looked more into Pokemon, because mm -hmm. it's it's probably the card game I've played, it's definitely the card game I've played the least that we're talking about in our series, because um, I was the opposite. As a kid, I had the Pokemon cards, but I never really learned how to play it. I yeah. learned how to play card games with Yu-Gi-Oh! and then quickly transitioned into Magic. Never really learned how to actually play Pokemon. Mm -hmm. um, but I learned that Pokemon, at the competitive level, they have a league just for children right they do yeah. they have two mm -hmm. uh they have juniors seniors and masters division uh masters division is 17 and up seniors division i believe is 11 to 16 and juniors is everything below so there's tier levels for ages so that all the kids when they travel and play in events they can compete with people around their same age not necessarily their same skill level because obviously some kids will be more skilled than others sure uh, but there's there are a lot of younger kids that are good at the game and they actually get a fair shot not playing against like actual adults while playing and those mm -hmm. sorts of events at regionals and stuff actually get good player numbers like they consistently hit like 60 to 100 players or more for the regionals pokemon has a really large younger player 
player base that carries over into the older player base once they reach the age. I've noticed that it seems like we're hitting uh, right now, uh, this year, that we're hitting, now that events are back, we're hitting this critical mass of players that played in these smaller, uh, smaller, younger divisions, right? And now they're adults mm-hmm. and they're technically adults and they're playing so it's bolstering the player base for these larger scale tournaments yeah, because and, now you have more just just these players didn't stop playing right and i i would agree with that yeah a lot of the players did not stop playing uh it also helps because the way that pokemon does their larger events and just their events in general is that you earn points for playing you earn championship points you can play in any regional or international event that you would like the regionals has to be in your region internationals you can play anywhere so you could travel across the country and play if you wanted to um but for those events, you earn championship points as well as for at local level events, and that's what qualifies you for Worlds. Well, Pokemon was really nice, and even though that there have been a lot of sus- events suspended through COVID, uh, championship points have gotten to carry over for every player. Every player that played in the 2019 season, so that would have been from about September 2019 to about right before COVID in March people could earn points so some people already had their worlds invite from there because there were regionals like five or six regionals that took place during that time including one of our local players his name is ty he's a younger kid about 13 uh he already has his worlds invite so even though he may have gone up in age division uh he'll still have that invite so that's given a lot of players the ability to keep wanting to play because they know that they have something that they can play for at the end of the day that's super cool, and I love, we kind of got into this, what, uh, I guess, a couple weeks ago on the show, about games that treat the community mm-hmm. well, and, and the w- games that have this point system in place, right? Like, Magic has that, well, I, they, I guess had. they kind of did away with it, they had yeah. it, um, <laughs> but Flesh and Blood has it, right? Yes, so we do. just we just came off the heels of Flesh and Blood Nationals in in mm-hmm. the United States, and a handful of players from our local area qualified for that just through points. Yeah, just through the local events, like with the yeah. Road to Nationals and like all the other events. And a couple any skirmishes, sort, yeah. Yeah, any any sort of card game that actually provides a path for players to qualify for larger level events through repeated local level events, I feel are like really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're I good. Think- and th- uh, not to cut you off, but I think that no. lends itself to that's kind of what you need a system in place like that to be taken seriously as a card game. Mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering gets a pass because it's been around forever. They've retooled their system so many times. Um, I'm not familiar with how Yu-Gi-Oh does things anymore, but as far as like Pokemon and Flesh and Blood and I, I think Dragon Ball has the have these systems in, in play that just rewards you for playing the game uh, not everybody can travel not everybody can travel a lot so when you gauge your big competitive tournaments behind these uh, say theoretically these road to nationals or like a ptq or any sort of thing like that a championship tournament not everybody gets to play in those not everybody gets a chance to travel across the state not everybody can take off that specific saturday and be there especially in pokemon when you're talking about kids right you can't mm-hmm. they can't drive so yeah. I, I think that when they give you an option an, an avenue it might not be the easiest thing but an avenue to get there without playing in these large-scale tournaments mm-hmm. i think that's great 
Yeah, it, it's great. It's huge. It bolsters a lot of the local, like, weekly attendance, mm -hmm. as well as the repeated players. And that's what stores and Pokemon want at the end of the day, and all of these companies want. They want a repeating player base that continues to play. They don't mm -hmm. want players that join and play for six months and then drop it for a year and then come back. They want players that are playing consistently. And the type of programs that reward that for, like, qualifying for higher level events are the ones that you'll see a lot of people start to gravitate towards. Very well yeah, said. Yeah, exactly. Very well said. So, before we get too deep into things, uh, Cole, you've been playing Pokemon for a while also, and we've never really gotten into when you picked up the game and started taking it kind of more seriously. Uh, so, for me, it was... Um, I'd been paying attention... Um, <clears throat> I think it was... Uh, oh my god, when, what set did uh, uh, Restoram and Charizard tag team come out? They came out in Unbroken Bonds. Unbroken Bonds is kind of where I decided that I wanted to kind of pay more attention to it. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't actually take it seriously, seriously until Sword and Shield because it was almost like a clean slate for me. Yeah. Um, so I could just literally pick a pick a, a starter deck and kind of like go from there, build my collection, and then um, and then take it a bit more seriously as I did. Um, and so I started to like, you know, build my collection and then I I took it more seriously, I guess, within the last couple months, um, because I thought I could take, I thought I could play Vanguard competitively, but just the way that uh, a the Vanguard game is, and the way that um, the uh, the English version treats its players, it just didn't fit that uh, that that competitive itch that I was looking for. So I switched over to Pokemon, and I've been really really enjoying my time in the Pokemon. So I, I think uh, battle styles is kind of like, cause I saw rapid strike Urshifu and I was like, this is my deck. This is what I want. So then that's kind of what I really started real hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Battle, battle styles was really good. That's when I started getting really heavily into it because that was when a lot of the vaccinations started to come out for us in this area. Yep. And a lot of the restrictions started to lift. So I felt, fine as the person that would make that decision at our store to start running events for locals that's about when i thought it would be fine to do that so i rounded up the few players i knew that still played started to slowly grow a player base and mm -hmm. since battle styles we've been firing on all cylinders yeah yeah you well you are... just had two really large attendance events right we did we did um two large attendance events this past weekend one of them was ran completely off of my own volition uh, at the store that I help manage, Monster Games in Highland Heights, Kentucky, we just <laughs> held a 64-person, well, 64 people registered, only 60 played. Um, so if you were one of those four that didn't play, contact me and I can get you a refund. Um, <laughs> uh, we had 64 people sign up, 60 played. It was a win-a-case tournament for Fusion Strike. Um, and then I also helped judge the event a day after, so it was like a back-to-back -back event weekend. We had a tournament at Mavericks Cards and Comics in Mason, Ohio, and that was a 1K, and we had 49 people for that, and they barely advertised for that, so the fact that they hit 49 was great. Mm -hmm. uh, we would have done more at our store if we could have fit the players. I had quite a few people ask me if there were any spots left. I really think we probably could have hit about 80. Um, yeah. I also didn't like pay for any advertising on Facebook or do as much as I could have. So I really think we probably could have hit that number, but logistically, the, it just wasn't there. 
Sure, mm-hmm. there's only so much space, so much room. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen so many people in that store before. It was, it was packed. It was yeah. It was packed. Yeah, it got so hot that I had to like in between rounds take like a breather outside to cool off. Oh yeah, was, I'm not surprised. Sometimes yeah. it gets really bad in there. So yeah, but uh, that was I. Those are my first two big. Well, really, my first two big tournaments I've been in probably five years. Uh, just for any game. Um, and the fact that they were both Pokemon was awesome. What do you I think did... about them as somebody that hasn't played at a large event for about five years? Um, I think I think it ran very smoothly. Uh, I've been to some Bushy Road events. I've worked a couple of Bushy Road events and um, not ran as smoothly as, as this <laughs> one was. Let's put it that way. Uh, I liked the the rounds were so quick at 30 minutes, like mm-hmm. best of one 30 minute rounds. But like it didn't I didn't feel like I was rushed at all either. Mm-hmm. It was a really good, like, for the most part, you got your odd, your donks, which, by the way, uh, an errata from last week, forgot to mention that uh, a donk is a way to, to lose out on Pokemon. It's a, a lose condition, so it's whenever you don't have any more uh, Pokemon on your bench or your active spot. Like, if they knock out the only Pokemon you had in play, you've got nothing else to put in, then you lose. Forgot to mention that last week. But, um, so, like, you have those odd... Uh, those odd donk moments. Um, but for the most part, I felt like I had a chance for for all of my games. I just couldn't pull any yeah, I mean, wins out. Like you started off three zero, like and the way that Pokemon events work is most players will end up intentionally drawing in some of the past few rounds. So if you had won that fourth round or just won two more of those rounds, there was like a very good chance that you would have made top eight. You had a really good deck choice for the weekend too. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of Suicune at our event and a lot of Single Strike, which the Rapid Strike lists usually do fairly well against. So like you mm-hmm. made a really good meta call. It was just unfortunate how the wheels fell off at the very end yeah well i i only went i got two wins and i lost um i lost throughout pretty much the rest of the weekend (laughs) um but uh like i i came out really strong against ice rider on round Mm -hmm. one and like i i because i had a pretty pretty good opening hand and i knew what i was doing on that one for the most part and then the second was wheezing stall like yeah and i did it's hard I didn't have a problem. I guess he just couldn't find any gas, but I've never played against that before, so that uh, was really... That matchup's hard for some decks that rely heavily on b- abilities. Like, if you don't get, like, your rapid flows going early, it can struggle for you. Yeah. Um, but if you can get set up, like, fast enough, you can take down, like, their, like, little one-prizers, and mm-hmm. then they just fold with the rest of their Sableyes. Yeah, I think I've focused on just regular Urshifu V because mm-hmm. 150 took out pretty much everything. Yeah. So like I just I just focused on that and then moved my energy over when I needed to. So I think that's how I did that. Uh and then um Rapid Strike Sylveon for round three. Uh is a really close game the entire time, but uh he marnied me early and that threw off my entire game plan. So uh, that one really hurt. And then that matchup ra- can also be a little bit difficult because like, oh, Urshi is your main attacker, and you get hit for weakness by Sylveon. Sylveon, yeah. Um, I learned I learned that one. That was hard. Um, and then Leafeon for round four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I only ran one uh, Tower of Waters that weekend. Same here. Yeah, that I I've been meaning to change my list because of that. Leafeon matchup's almost impossible if you don't play more. Yeah. Like one tower. Yep. 
So I changed that for for uh for day two. Um, and then I played against Luis and his cakes. <laughs> um, and that one I like his deck a lot. <laughs> I'm not gonna hey, lie, he loves it. Cake carries, my dude. Yeah, so, so that's uh, Al Creamy V Max, and he used the new uh, Zacian, the Psychic Zacian mm-hmm. V, and that was really cool. And, and then I just the Galarian Articunos from Chilling Rain yep. too that accelerate. Yeah. Yep. I I had no gas for that entire game, so he just ran through me. Um, and then Dragapult, which is also a really tough match for me. You hit weakness three times in a row, or almost four. Yeah, Legion's it was not weakness, but yeah, it was a little rough for me. The Dragapult, I've just never really played against it, slash I don't know my matchups mm-hmm. as super well. And I also prized uh, my only Vaporeon and my Tower of Waters. So yep. uh, it was nothing I could do. I did the best that I could, but just nothing there. So uh, I went, what, 2-4 and four that time, and I got like 30th or something, 33rd, I think. Um, so that was cool for like my first round. I expected to do really bad. Anyway, this was just a this was learning the deck and getting ready for day two. That was my whole intention. So thirty fourth was what you placed. I just pulled up the results. Oh, okay. So maybe uh, maybe it was thirty third on the uh this day two um on the Maverick one. Uh, I know they're really close. Uh, but the changes that I made to the deck. So I was playing uh Rapid Strike Urshifu with Vaporeon. Um. I added another Vaporeon V and V Max, and then a Tower of Waters, and then I added another Switch, just in case uh, that Silver that uh, Leafeon matchup. Uh, I ran into that again, so I added those things. Uh, basically, I took my Urshifu down to two, uh, two Vs and two V Maxes, um, which I I still am not sure if that was the correct play, but I I wanted to kind of like fifty fifty focus on either Vaporeon or um, Urshifu, depending on the matchup. Um, so round one, went into Dragapult on, on day two for Mavericks. Uh, lost that real hard. Um, and then round two uh, was Ice Rider, and I just, I just couldn't, get my, couldn't get my stuff set up in time. Um, and then round three was a, a, an Amaze box, basically, so all the amazing rare Pokemon with... Um, uh oh my god what's the new there's a new with from the new Xerneas from Xerneas. celebrations yeah. exactly yeah i like that deck that was cool but it was way too clunky so i ended up winning that one um and then round four was leafeon and i just straight up got outplayed on that one like mm-hmm. my loss was just my own fault on that one uh and then i played round five against a sylveon Vmax, and i was able to knock out the sylveon real quick and she wasn't able to um to recover from that basically uh and then uh round six was Zacian. And that was I just that was way too slow. Hard. Yeah. He's he's outpowered me real quick. So Zamazento can just block almost everything you want to do, but it's hard for you to actually take six prizes against them. Yep, especially because of Zamazenta with the, with their uh that attack that removes the special energy. Yep. You never to keep your rapid strike energy. And that is awful. <laughs> That's an awful feeling right there. Yep. Uh, it's not easy. It is yeah. not easy. Yep. Um, so I also went two and four on that day as well. And um I I even though I did so poorly, I really liked playing and I don't think I would have picked that deck uh for future reference. I probably would have gone with uh Zacian V 
because I just felt more comfortable with that deck. And I feel like I could have piloted it better than uh, the Urshifu, but I really liked my bears and I liked the Vaporeon idea and I wanted to see if I could make it work. And it just yeah, wasn't for I, me that weekend. I think an important thing for this metagame that we're currently in for Pokemon, it's about to change with Fusion Strike, but there were just so many different viable decks that picking one that you were comfortable on and knew your matchups for was probably the biggest like factor for winning throughout like larger tournaments. Yep. Obviously, matchups and weakness can play a hand on that sort of thing, but picking something you're comfortable on and know the lines that will help you turn your 50-50 and 60-40 matchups to major ones in your favor. Yeah, uh, There's just so many different viable decks right now that I think that this format's going to be looked back on really favorably. Like, the Inteleon engine is pretty ubiquitous in a lot of decks unless they have their own setup engine that they have to play. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. Or, I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, mean, right, yeah. I, think, it's a, I think it is a good thing. Because when everybody's on the same level of what they can and can't do, the people with the superior mechanics and decision-making will usually end up winning. And I think that's a really important skill expression in the card game. Mm -hmm. So so let's talk about that then, sure. uh, since we, since we kind of naturally got there, right? You, the meta the meta's about to change, mm -hmm. right? The Fusion Strike, uh, it's, I think everybody's excited for it. It looks like a really exciting set. Yeah. And there's a number of powerful cards coming out. Mm-hmm. When you so usually when the meta changes drastically, it's kind of due to a rotation. Um, yes. But here we've got this set coming out, and this happens sometimes in this. This happens in non-rotating games all the time. But in I'll compare it to Magic because Magic and Pokemon are both rotating games. Usually in Magic, when a new set comes out, you just pick the cards that fill in the decks uh, that that already exist. You mm -hmm. update those decks, they adapt. Maybe a new deck pops up here or there, one or two, and, and they'll become part of the meta. But here, like you said, the meta's about to shake up drastically. What Do you have like a, a short list of things that you think will happen, or decks that will be either pushed out or brought into the format that aren't there currently? So, there... Go ahead. And well, I was going to add on to that. Do you think that Fusion Strike is going to revitalize any older archetypes? I think that Fusion Strike overall is a powerful set. I don't think it pushes too many things out of the format. It does make things a little bit harder for Leafeon and a couple of other decks, but I'll get into that in a little bit. So the main decks coming out of Fusion Strike are obviously the Fusion Strike deck, which right. relies on Mew V Max, and it's more of a toolbox type deck. Uh, I haven't seen too much of the deck play in person, but I know just from looking at it and hearing other people talk about it that it will end up being very good. It has a lot of ways to draw through a lot of its deck. Mm -hmm. It has multiple ways that it can take one-shot attacks. It has multiple ways that it can play a slower controlling game. That deck has just a lot of options at its disposal, and any deck like that is always going to be a contender looking at a good deck in a format. Um, I do want to interrupt you for just a second because you started with the Fusion Strike deck, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's really cool that when I was a little worried, and I, you got to take what I say with a grain of salt because I mostly watch Pokemon from the outside, right? Yeah. I, I did pick up a bunch of singles recently that are in the mail, and I'm really excited to start actually playing more. But I, I, I saw Battle Styles come out, and I thought, well, that's a really cool mechanic, right? You got single strike, you got rapid mm -hmm. strike, and then I thought to myself, how many sets can this go on for? Because yeah. we saw the next set where it's there's more single strike support, more rapid strike support, more single strike support, more rapid strike support for the next couple sets. And I thought, how long could this go on for before 
you just get two decks, and they're just highly tuned single strike and rapid strike decks, and the meta gets really stale and boring. I think from a design perspective, fusion strike is genius. Mm-hmm. I yeah, love so- it. And then you see cards like uh, what it's like the Deoxys, I think that is yep, all of them types. Yeah, that's I think that's flavorful. so cool. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. So I just that's sorry. Go yeah, on. So and no, I I think that's a fair like an acknowledgement. Like when they start printing a mechanic and they keep supporting that mechanic, you're right that sometimes it becomes almost too overbearing, and there's just such a high density of that mechanic that it becomes playable. Take like Modern for Magic an example. They've been printing so many mill cards recently over the past year and a half that they finally have a high enough density of playable cards that they have become a deck. Like, a real deck. A real deck, for sure. And when Single Strike first came out, it struggled, but they've slowly been getting more cards every set. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. like, the final thing that happened that bumped their viability to what I think is one of the three, like, tier one decks of past format, of the past format, was the Umbreon. Umbreon, Because it gave them a way to attack their weakness because they're they're weak to psychic and they can beat uh the most psychic pokemon now are dark weak so they have a way to cover two type weaknesses and then they also have a a really powerful effect that has been playable since the history of the game since like the game first started with like a gust of wind effect right to bring up a bench pokemon on the umbreon um so those two of like factors bumped it up in viability mm-hmm. uh Thankfully, it's not too oppressive, and Rapid Strike is still really good, and then Mm -hmm. Fusion Strike will be still really good, but there's been enough support that it hasn't felt oppressive. I don't think we're going to be getting too much more support for the different strikes after this set, because we'll be moving into the star territory for, like, V-Star Pokemon. Sure. Um, But it's still, like, at least nice to see that all three decks have been viable. Well, Mm -hmm. when you you talk about the... Because Single Strike is what I liked initially, too, and I, I thought it looked interesting but it clearly was lacking in power mm-hmm. and then the umbreon made it extremely viable yes. do you think that it's they're they're continuing to push single strike with things like gengar or do you think that the new like the new intellion package or even just fusion strike in general is going to put single strike kind of back down in its place or do you think umbreon combined with gengar will be strong enough to keep it a contender so i think umbreon and gengar together are fine but I think it kind of takes away one of the main strengths right now of single strike, where you get to hit for two type weaknesses. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If okay. you the Urshifu is really important for dealing with Zamazentas, and it's also really important for actually taking one shots um, because the Umbreon's damage output isn't super high. The Urshifu V Max, as well as the V for its three energy attack, they have ways to kill a lot of things in the format. I think I would be more intrigued to see how an Urshifu Umbreon list or a toolbox type list that plays like maybe a 2 2 Umbreon, a 2 2 uh, Gengar, and like a 1 1 Urshifu, how that would look. Because okay. the ah. list is so tight, because you have to play a 4 4 or a 4 3 if you're greedy Hound Doom line in pretty much all of the decks. Uh, you don't have a lot of space to work with, as opposed with Rapid Strike, where you can like tweak the numbers and you can either play the Octillery engine mm-hmm. or the Drizzile Inteleon engine. I would be more interested to see if like a toolboxy version of Single Strike ends up coming out. Uh, you may not even end up going for the what's it called for the Urshifu and that sort of list because there's the Stonejourner from I believe Chilling Rain 
that if you're looking for fighting type weakness coverage, you can play that. And then alternatively, you can play the Deoxys in the deck because it is a single strike Pokemon. You can get psychic type weakness coverage with that, and then you can hit the other fighting decks for weakness. Um, the single strike deck actually got more this set than I believe Rapid Strike did. Rapid Strike got the Inteleon, and that opens up a decent amount, but I don't think it changes the list too drastically. Yeah, I don't. Okay. I I feel like that Inteleon's probably its own deck too. The Inteleon can be played as its own deck because it's really reminiscent of how Greninja used to play and Greninja Break back in XY era. But I'm interested to see how the Rapid Strike Vaporeon lists go. Um, mm. I know at one of our locals tonight, somebody went 3-0 split in the finals with the Rapid Inteleon and Urshi together, basically mm. just replacing the Vaporeon with the uh. Inteleon. Inteleon, Interesting. which I think is really good, yeah. and I have to play it for myself, but it helps you hit a little bit higher damage numbers with the consistent ping. It gives you a discard outlet for the extra water energies so mm -hmm. that you can Melanie easier, yep. and it lets you uh, fix damage numbers on Genesect Bs against the Mew deck because it has 190 health, so with telescopic sight passimian and rapid flow you deal 180 so you're 10 short so if mm -hmm. you can get an inteleon double ping in there you can take two two prize knockouts yeah uh, that that so i think that deck gains a lot too but it's less than the other decks yeah i hadn't even thought about like replacing vaporeon with uh with that that makes a lot of sense so to me. the Vaporeon's still really good because it can hit 200 with its attack very yep. easily mm -hmm. however i really like that you can reuse your rapid strike energy with the inteleon vmax because the inteleon vmax you can use rapid strike to use its attack and bounce to the hand to do the extra damage so in the matchups where you're trying to hit against weakness like against victini um the Inteleon still does its job effectively. Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting. So let me let me ask you this then, um, sure. because I, I think you bring up a, a couple of really good points when mm -hmm. you go in when you dive into the Fusion Strike set and kind of how it's going to offer archetypes. Um, when you're playing, when you are, uh, let's just say you're preparing for just a local level event, right? Sure, you're going to be a, a handful of people there. You kind of have a ballpark idea of most of the players that you're going to be playing against, mm -hmm. but you're not sure what you want to play. Yeah. Do you, A, go online and just, like, rip off a deck list that you see online that you think looks strong? Or is mm -hmm. there more... In Pokemon, it seems like it's a little important to try to spike the metagame, right? And try to be a little anti-meta. So, in Pokemon, you can definitely spike the metagame, and part of that is in part due to the fact that Pokemon is very cheap, because mm -hmm. the collectors will buy the sealed product and open it looking for the chase cards. The low rarity versions of a lot of the cards are cheap. Most standard decks in Pokemon, if you're not looking at an Evolution deck, can be built for anywhere from like 60 to $80. Mm -hmm. Zacian deck, uh, it's like 40 bucks tops. Yep. Um, there's the Dragapult deck, which is, I think, the best deck of last format, is like 70 bucks. The EV decks sometimes get a little bit higher due to the collector value, but it's not too crazy. So realistically, from a card game perspective, that is very cheap for a standard deck. Oh, yeah. And most of those cards will be 
like legal for a while. Um, that leads a lot of people to be picking up cores because Pokemon utilizes a lot of the same trainers and energies between decks, uh, although the attacking and the support Pokemon may be different. So you can change and adapt week by week. Um, I'm not one of the type of people that normally does that. I normally play what I want to play without caring too much what's going to be local. Uh, like, you hit bad matchups, you don't hit bad matchups, it's whatever. Like, obviously, if everybody at a store is playing all single strike and rapid strike, I'm not going to take Leafeon, or not Leafeon, Jolteon, because I'm fighting weak, and that's <laughs> just a dumb decision. But, like, if there's about 12 players, and there's, like, three on a fighting deck or three on a psychic deck, I'm fine taking a deck that has a weakness. Like, I'll, sure. I'll high roll my matchup on that. Um, but I think you can metagame for larger, like, cups, regionals, and, like, league-level events for Pokemon. Um, and if you do that, you can get rewarded. Right now, the metagame is super wide open. I think there's probably about 12-plus given decks that I could mm -hmm. see taking down a tournament in any given point. Um, and I think that there's play styles for pretty much every player available right now so that you can play what you want to play and not feel like you're playing a deck that is strictly worse than everything else. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how Cole hooked me a little bit honestly because we were kind of talking about pokemon and he had, he's floated some stuff onto my desk in the past and then he he like made it a point he was like hey look at this deck and i was like okay like it's yeah it's metagross metagross is cool and he's like no no like watch the video you are never dying and decking out your opponent and it's I was like, the oh, yeah. grind deck yeah it's like the grind which is what i is love it the cheryl version yeah and it's just like this like this grindy pile of like I'm not going to die, but uh, I'm not going to kill you either sort of thing. You know, and it, it looks so fun. And it was like a dollar to build the deck. Like, it was so cheap. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, it's, it's, I know it's not popular. It's, it's very not easy. The best deck, but it looks so fun. And it doesn't seem like, I mean, I watched a couple of videos of people playing it and they're beating rapid strike decks. You know, yeah. like it's not. So it seems viable. Decks in struggle the meta, to take you know. one shots are usually like really good for the Cheryl decks to play into. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually working, I was working on it last night and today, a potential new deck that could come into the meta with this format, based on how I think the meta is going to shift, that plays a lot of Cheryls and is really grindy. Uh, I think Sandaconda VMAX could see a lot of play this set. Uh, all the cards fall properly in my predictions. Interesting. Um, yeah, so Sandaconda VMAX, right, is a VMAX Pokemon. I believe it has 320 health. Yep, Let me double check that. No, I got it pulled up. Yep. Okay, so Sandaconda VMAX has 320 health. For its first attack for a single fighting energy, it does 60 to the active, and it does 20 to each of your opponent's bench Pokemon. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So you get to get chip damage on everything they have, and it can be a little bit harder for other decks to deal with that consistent damage. Mm -hmm. With things like strong or stone fighting energy, which gives you basically an extra 20 health because you take 20 less damage from attacks, pretty much no deck can one-shot it right now in the format. Um, you have to be like a single strike Urshifu V Max that has all four single strike energies on it, or you have to be Leafeon, which hits it for weakness. Um, it's Grass Week. It has three retreat. Leafeon was always beating it with Galar Mine because it was doing yeah. three hundred. The weakness doesn't really play a matter. You just take like the eighty twenty matchup, Fat L. Um, but a lot of decks rely on the Sobble Engine to get mm -hmm. set up. 
so they play a lot of Pokemon on the bench, and with Mew coming into the format, there will be a lot of Genesects and other things that they have to put down on the bench. Oh yeah. Mew struggles to one-shot it because it, even with Power Tablet, all four Power Tablets in the Genesect attack, it does 330, but you live with 10 health then if you have a um, strong, or the Stone Fighting Energy on it. Um, and with that 20 damage to the bench, you can amplify that with Telescopic Sight to make it oh, 50 right. damage to all of the V Pokemon. So yeah. Genesect gets four shot with it, uh, and they have to play two if they want to be able to see cards in their deck. So that gives you an easy four prizes right there. And they will pretty much always want to have a Mew and a Latias on the bench. So you can actually pick up decent amounts of prizes. Although the Mew resists fighting, um, and you're not really doing too much to the active, you can pressure their bench enough, and they can't set up without their bench because they need to copy the attacks off the bench and get mm -hmm. the draws, that that might have a favorable Mew matchup. Um, you also get to play Path to the Peak because you don't rely on abilities, and I think we're going to switch to an ability-heavier format with things like Shadow Rider and Eternatus coming back with the new... <sighs> adventurer's exploration i think it's a new supporter card yeah it, it's kind of like bridget if you used to play with bridget but adventure this new supporter card lets you find three pokemon v from your deck and add them to your hand v pokemon are also v max pokemon so you can find your v maxes as well as your v's so early game it's just a bridget where you set up your bench late game is just three evolution incenses um so when people are going to be switching over to more V-heavy decks and playing like those sort of things, your Path to the Peaks as well as your Telescopic Sites will start dealing a lot of damage and you'll be able to get chip damage. Um, I think you also will have a favorable matchup against Gengar because you hit Gengar for weakness and they also struggle to one-shot you because you don't play Vs for their first attack, so they have to rely on their second attack. Wow, that is that's some well, big there you brain. Have it. Big that's brain the, play. That's <laughs> the hot take. Yeah, I I was working on a list last night for it. I've made some tweaks already. I haven't gotten to test it too much. I'm gonna try to take it to locals at some time next week or the week after, uh, and hopefully it does well. So. Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to let us know because that sounds that sounds really fun, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so because you have just the one energy attack, you can Cheryl really easily and not worry about the discarding because you can still pressure their deck a ton. Yeah. So, okay, this begs the question, which Sandaconda V are you going to play? So that's something I discussed with one of my friends who played the deck when this when the Sword and Shield Evolving Skies format first came out. Mm -hmm. uh, if you play Path to the Peak, you can't realistically play the one that takes 20 less damage True, yeah. but if you play the one that takes 20 less damage even if you play path to the peak that lets you survive things like victini's uh first v v max attack the one blow that does 220 mm -hmm. it also lets you survive against a impact blow urshifu v which only does at most 220 usually um, there are some numbers that are relevant for the damage blocking one, but the other one has an attack for a single energy, which could give it merit. I would probably end up playing a 3-1 split with the damage block being the 3 and the attack being the 1. Just because you don't have to play Path super early in the deck. You can play it after you like want to stick a Marnie and then brick your opponent. That's true. 
That's true. And as we learned, Marnies can be really tough. Really tough yeah. to get around. That card is either your savior or your worst nightmare. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah, the, for people that aren't keen on it or haven't played a ton of Pokemon, just to put it into perspective, Pass to the Peak is a stadium card, and it says Pokemon with a rule box in play have no abilities. Yeah. So, that's so, just, that means... so you're, you're blanking uh, your Pokemon and your opponent's Pokemon's text box if they have... A rule box. Which, which is really good against things like Suicune, which are able to draw cards multiple times per turn, against Shadow Rider where they need to use their abilities to accelerate to deal damage, against Zacian, so you can actually hit their uh, Zamazenta and, and they can't, so they can't use sword. Intrepid Sword. Yeah. It's really good against a lot of the different decks in the format. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's the type of card that we see in almost every game, where a deck does a, a busted thing, let's call it. A deck is a little unfair. Just because it's tuned, it's good, it's gotten a lot of support, what have you. Then you have these types of cards. In Magic, it's like Thorn of Amethyst or Thalia. In Flesh and Blood, it's like uh, like Channel Lake Frigid or the Frostbite Tax. Or, or, and in Pokemon, you have Path of the Peak, and there's other similar effects. Power Plant, right? Silent Lab, yeah. any yep. of the item blocking. There's a bunch of different ways to interact with your opponent. Like, proactively instead of reactively yep. which is great it's a play style that a lot of people enjoy mm -hmm. it really My, is myself I, being one of them yeah and like i said earlier i think that's one of the big benefits of the current pokemon meta is that there's like 12 or 13 different decks that are really good that could reasonably win a tournament in any given day yeah absolutely so, so let me ask you this with there being such a wide open meta and to kind of reel it back in sort of when, when you're choosing a deck to play in a tournament are you just choosing something that you like something you think is cool are you going based on power level in the meta like how do you personally pick the deck and then how do you kind of break down your list let's say you're going to go play in like a i don't know like a 5k or something uh i don't like playing decks that are too straightforward just me as a person okay. i think decks that don't have a lot of tech options don't appeal to me because I feel like there's certain matchups that I'll never be able to win as a result. Uh, I like playing decks that have a lot of toolboxy options and really reward knowing your deck and being aware of what is in it at any given point. So if I were to go to a tournament right now for Pokemon, my first choice would be the Dragapult deck because it plays a controlly play style and it has a lot of strong one of cards and you can make really powerful turns and you get to set the tempo for the game how you want it to mm -hmm. be i really like rapid strike because you can take multiple knockouts in a turn you get to set up plays that are really rewarding for your planning ahead um or i would probably play jolteon just because it helps bully the prevalent sobble decks that are all yep. around um and it is really consistent so those are like the three decks that I would pick, although I think there's a bunch of options, um, and I think all of the options are really strong. But me personally, I like picking decks that have multiple options. So you're I not like okay. So you're not saying I want to pick. I'm going to play deck A because it's the it's the best deck, or I want to play deck B because it beats the best deck. You're saying I want to play deck E because it's got options to have a decent matchup against the best deck while being able to tech the matchups of people 
gunning yeah. for these better decks also. There's nothing I hate more than having a matchup that I feel is completely unwinnable and a matchup that's completely out of my hands. I don't like playing decks that either win or lose on the spot. I don't like trying to hyper metagame for events. I will try to... that The way that I, like, adapt my decks... I'll pick the deck that I want, and then I'll adapt my tech cards based on what I think it will look like. I don't want to play a deck like Burn, where it's almost the same 60 in Magic all the time, right? Um, and just random sideboard cards based on what's popular. Uh, I want to play a deck where I can alter my main deck so I can have a matchup in game one so I don't have to win two games afterwards if it's a best of three. Okay, so when you... When you pick your deck, you say, mm-hmm. "Okay, I, I want to play. Like, I, I want to play Jolteon. Let's say I sure. want to play Jolteon because I yeah. it's good against the Sobble packages, and I can tech myself to be good against, let's say, Dragapult. Yes. How do you then go about making your list? Because you're probably like me. You're gonna you're gonna look at some decks. You're aware of the meta. You kind of know what mm-hmm. generally goes into the Jolteon deck, but you're gonna make your own list, right? Um. So what? How would Pokemon is a game of uh, few playsets. I feel like mm-hmm. I see a lot of three ofs, two ofs, mm-hmm. and a ton of mm-hmm. one ofs in this game. Yes. So how do you decide what allocates those slots? Is it is it based on popularity, or is it based on what matchups you specifically want to tech for? Do you think you're going to see more of one thing than another? Just so it it matters. It matters to me a lot on what type of decks I think I'll be playing against. Uh, first of all, if you are playing a Sobble package in your deck and you're playing the Keep Calling 60 Health Sobble, mm-hmm. uh, you should probably reevaluate if you need to be playing it or not. The Rapid Strike decks can play it because it synergizes with Power of Waters and other cards in their deck. The Leafy or the Suicune and the Ice Rider decks can play it because the Keep Calling attack on turn one does not matter as much because they are going to be playing Melanie most likely on turn two, so they want a way to get a water into the discard. Uh, but against the rest of the metagame, with Dragapult being as effective as it is, its attack can place five damage counters, and they're playing Zigzagoon, Galarian Zigzagoon, to place an additional damage counter. So if you are stuck with one Sobble on the bench, they can kill the Sobble on their turn two with a Zigzagoon and with a Max Phantom putting the five damage counters on it. Mm-hmm. There's a 70 health Sobble from Sword and Shield base set that is 70 health, so it survives through that sort of thing, so that you can guarantee get your Drizzile Shady Dealings off on the next turn. Uh, so decks like Leafeon, decks like Jolteon, they should be playing that 70 health Sobble for that reason. Um, a lot of people just stuck with the 60 health Sobble without even looking into that sort of thing. So that's one of the first things that I would like check to make sure, is that your deck does not need to play the 60 health one. Um, with Pokemon, you play a medium-sized amount of Pokemon in a small energy lineup, because you never want to have two or more energy in hand, because you can only have one per turn, and you have so many ways to dig through your deck. It's not like Magic, where you want to keep a hand with like three or four lands so you can cast spells with pokemon you have so many wheel type effects and draw spells you don't want a ton of energy so that leaves a lot of option in your trainer cards Um, with trainers i think you need to figure out what your supporter lineup should look like based on if you can recover from the discard or if you need to draw a lot of cards 
So if you can recover from the discard or you need to draw a lot of cards, something like Professor's Research is most likely going to be your four of draw supporter. I think pretty much every deck should be playing a four of draw supporter for consistency because there's almost always one that synergizes with their deck. Mm -hmm. um, Marnie is a fine option for decks that are like playing Path to the Peak or can rely on less resources because you can play Marnie after your opponent takes a crucial knockout or is setting up a checkmate turn in their hand with something like a rare candy Ludicolo and you can completely disrupt their plans. Mm -hmm. um, I think those are the main things you want to look at for your supporter lineup and then you want to be looking at your tech cards that are trainers. You need to be looking to see if you're playing tools like Air Balloon, uh, which let you retreat for less energy, or if you want to play something like Tool Jammer so you can get rid of your opponent's tools' abilities, or if you want to play like a Cape of Toughness, which gives you extra health if you are a basic Pokemon, or if you need to be playing stuff like Tool Scrapper because you expect a lot of people to be playing Capes and you can play your one card to get rid of their two, mm -hmm. or if you need to be playing Scoop Up Nets so that you can reuse your Zigzagoon in a single turn, or so you can pick up your Inteleon line and reset one of the tutor chains, or you need to see if you want to be playing a Suspicious Food Tin, which is one of my favorite tech cards right now for Dragapult. Suspicious Food Tin is a trainer that is uh, psychic-based. It says if you discard a psychic energy from one of your Pokemon, you get to heal 60 damage from it. Dragapult can function off of two energy, so it doesn't require a lot of high energy. It does not take a lot of damage from Leafeon. It takes at most 180 per turn. And with Jolteon, they take at most 100 per turn. With a Suspicious Food Tin, you get to live almost an additional turn against those decks, which can be a very important pivot point in your matchup. So if you were going to an event and expecting a lot of stuff like Leafeon and Jolteon, I would suggest putting something like the Suspicious Food Tin in there. Uh, because Pokemon has so many of those tech supporter and trainer options available, and right now with the Inteleon and the Sobble and the Drizziles, where you can find those trainer cards, it's really important to pick the right trainer package for the event. And that's where I would put a lot of my thought into what quantities and what cards in specific are going to be in that 30 to 35 trainers. Extremely well put. Yeah. That is. No, that is sage information, people. Um, <laughs> and to to completely just go com totally off the rails with it. Yeah. Does Adventurer's Discovery make the Rapid Strike Malamar busted? Adventure is that the one that? That's finds the one that search your deck for three V's. No, Rapid Malamar is not a V. No, no, but you but you reveal Rapid Strikes from your hands. Um, I don't think you need it, because you want to be... With Malamar, you're mainly shuffling cards back into your deck on the turn that you attack, so you're going to be left with only a couple cards in hand already. If you play a one card that draws you three cards, I would rather play one card that draws me six or seven in the form of Karina's Focus, which is already tutorable, True. or in the form of or Professor's Research, which lets me see a fresh 7. The Rapid Strike Malamar is a fan favorite deck of mine. Um, I really like that deck. I think it's super underrated. I think people get really upset to see it. But I think <laughs> it takes a lot of skill to pilot, and there's a lot of choices that you have to make while playing that affect the later turns of the game. I think that deck's already pretty decently positioned, and it probably will get a little bit better with Fusion Strike. 
just because decks will be aiming to take knockouts on V and VMAX Pokemon. They might not be as well equipped to actually deal with this 120 health menace. Well, fine. I thought it was cool, but never mind. It, it, is, it, is, cool. <laughs> it is cool, but you have to put, like, bricking cards in your deck. Yeah, right? I understand like, why it's not play. Like, I understand why it because, draws. Yeah. Like, there's points where if you... Because you have to play V. So, let's just say you play V maxes only. You play three or four V maxes to find off that one card. Well, that's cool. They're effectively dead cards. The, the only text they have is deal 40 damage with Malamar. Like, right. That's all they do. Whereas you can already play cards like the Octillery that finds you a Rapid Strike card while also mm-hmm. shuffling back in. You can play Tower of Waters, which is a free retreat on top of shuffling in or bumping your opponent's stadium. There's a lot of cards that already fill up like dual-purpose roles in the deck that I wouldn't take out a dual-purpose card for one with a singular purpose. Right, because Malamar doesn't need Pokemon, he just needs Rapid Strike cards. Yes, mm-hmm. not rapid and, strike Pokemon. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I think bosses orders is really bad in that deck. Um, a lot of people play the bosses orders. Uh, I think you have to cut it entirely and play Pokemon Catcher. Really, you rely so much on your supporter because think about it, right? You're attacking with the Malamar. You're trying to get as much damage as possible. You're shuffling down until you have like one or two cards in hand. Unless you're taking a knockout, you're seeing at most four or five cards the next turn. And that's, like, assuming you have really good, like, draws off of your Chinchino and Minchino engine. Um, If you're wasting one of your supporters on a boss's orders to bring something up to the front, that's a card that's not letting you draw deeper. Whereas if it was a Karina's Focus, you're able to draw six, and, like, you get to see potentially nine or so cards that could give you as many Rapid Strike damage as possible. So I think boss's order is a little bit of a trap in that deck, as is a card like Raihan, because... It's not a deck where you want the right cards at the right time. You need such a high density of cards to work. You need to see that density of cards. You want the quantity over the quality. Well, let me... Okay, so let me take that and apply it to a new card then. Another new sure. card. Uh, the Fusion Strike Supporter. Uh, okay. Chili, Silent, and Cress. The Chili, Silent, and Cress. Yeah. yeah. Search your deck for up to three Fusion Strike Pokemon. Reveal them, put them in your hand, then shuffle your deck. Would you... That's a Supporter. Are you okay with that rate because you're looking for Fusion Strike Pokemon specifically for your Genesect and for other effects? Or would you still rather play a raw draw spell? I think Chili, Silent, and Crest is a four of in the Fusion Strike. Okay, text. okay. It reminds so it's me a really lot of... about the context uh, yeah, it, of it the It relies tier. entirely yeah. on the context. Because something like the Adventures Discovery can't draw you additional cards... I wouldn't play it in that sort of deck. Mew is also very resource-hungry. However, Chili, Silent, and Cress find you as many Genesect as you want, which then lets you continue to draw through and see your deck. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me a lot of Bridget, and for those of you that played back then, Bridget was super, like, it was a three or a four of in every deck, and you were pretty much always finding it with Tapu Lele on turn one, so you could set up your Pokemon. Um, I think that Chili, Silent, and Crest fulfills a similar role, and I like that it's not as splashable as Bridget, because Bridget's splashability was an issue, especially with how it inherently worked with GX Pokemon as opposed to EX Pokemon, uh, because Bridget couldn't find EXs, but it could find GXs. Uh, Pokemon's thankfully done away with that weird type of stuff where they 
don't future proof they've started a future proof with stuff like rule box as a keyword mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so that we don't run into that issue but chili silent and crest that's something i would play as either a three or a four of yeah well, it's, it's an extremely narrow card but i think that speaks to like the power level of it as opposed to trying to cobble something together like you would be in, in the malamar deck right yeah okay interesting yeah no i think that's great and that's something that like as a, I'll consider myself a new, I understand the mechanics and I get how the game works, I just don't have a ton of reps in with Pokemon, so it's stuff like that that I don't have the nuance of, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's, yeah. I, I could look at a list of magic cards or a bunch of flesh and blood cards and, and tell you the same thing you're telling me, but it's it's more difficult for me because of the context of Pokemon, you kind of have to take your knowledge of other card games and warp it a little bit, because Pokemon is very much its own beast. It is. As, it, as... it plays very differently because it is resource heavy, but you can also replenish those resources easily. It's a very mm-hmm. greedy game. Yeah, uh, I really, I really enjoy it. It's it's quite the fun game because it is so different. Yeah, yeah. It's got very unique interaction. The game has very unique uh, support for itself, and I like the way that uh, you know, I what Nintendo, Pokemon Company, whoever, whatever gets the final say on these cards. Mm-hmm. The way they're making the the game and shaping the game where they're okay with boss's orders and, and Professor's Research kind of being like the staples. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that they're in a good position with those to be able to reprint them. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. makes for an interesting style of game. Because we talked about this last week. As a Magic player, the first time I saw Professor's Research, I was like, <laughs> well, this is busted. Mm-hmm. there's no way this card is even good yeah it's then, wheel of fortune but it's one-sided yeah and then you look at a card like uh a hop right that's just draw three and that card's stone unplayable yeah yeah it's it's just funny to me how you have to warp your knowledge of games and apply yeah, them and a, a lot of people yeah. don't understand that until they actually play with the game uh people have a lot of predetermined opinions about the pokemon game that they may have had from seeing it as a younger age or from mm-hmm. seeing other people play it. But until you actually sit down and play it yourself, I recommend you suspend that disbelief almost and see just how the game plays. Because it plays very fluidly, and it plays like in a way that is enjoyable for players to play. Yeah, uh, I- You do get to do powerful things, which is always exciting for players, but since both players have access to the powerful cards, it doesn't feel like you're just getting run out of the water by like your opponent doing all of it before you get to. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. and uh, Because I was one of those players, more or less, where I, was, I had a kind of an understanding of the game, and I thought, no, that's not for me. And then, well, this is probably right after the time the shop opened back up. COVID, I, I jammed some mm-hmm. games with one of Cole's decks or one of your decks or somebody, and I was just like, well, yeah, this is actually super fun. Um, yeah. I had played the game a long time ago. I don't even remember what was legal. There was some really big Shaman was the chase card. Shaman, Yaxus, and Roaring Sky. That's what X-Y. it was. And yeah. I, I played the game for maybe 10 minutes and kind of dismissed it. But I didn't really take the time to sit down and learn it, which is to something be fair, that was read. an era that was really coin flip decided, and you could take fifteen minute turn ones, so it was very solitaire. Like that was an era that doesn't get looked back as favorably as other formats. Uh, I think that's actually probably like the dark ages of what I would consider modern Pokemon design. Well, good. I'm glad that my my assumption or my 
I, I, how I came out of that is not completely yeah, uh, incorrect it, then. So that's, yeah. That okay. that era caused a lot of people to walk away from the game. One of my favorite uh, Pokemon players of all time, his name is Jason Klazinski. He is a huge retro enthusiast. He's played the game since its start. Like, he was 12 when the game first came out or so. So he's been playing competitively since then. Uh, that was when he stepped away and started to focus on older formats and revisiting older formats, just because the game had gotten to such a breaking point that he didn't find it fun anymore. Um, I think that that era was what made them try to like safety valve a lot of stuff so that it couldn't be abused in the future. Uh, Shaman, fun fact, did get banned and expanded recently because of how it interacted with a new card scoop-up net that came out. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, uh, Shaman is a card that says when you play it from your hand onto your bench, you may draw until you have six cards in hand. Uh, there's a current card that does that. It's Crobat V. Crobat, It's played yeah. in a lot of decks. Uh, Crobat good. V has the fun clause where it says once per turn. Once per turn. Yep. Shaman mm -hmm. did not have that clause, and Scoop Up Net just lets you for free pick up a non-GX or V Pokemon and put it into your hand. So Shaman is an EX, so you could play it, draw a lot of cards, attach energy, use items, use trainers, because Pokemon's resources that you have to manage are your once per turns, your once per turn retreat, your once per turn energy attack, your once per turn supporter, your once per turn stadium. Those sort of things are the resources you have to manage. When you can play a lot of cards with no cost to them, and are easy to get out of your hand, Shaman and Scoop Up Net become that much better because you can easily see at least like 40 cards in your deck on turn one. There are so many games of Expanded I was playing when the Rebel Clash came out and had Scoop Up Net, or maybe it was Sword and Shield base, I can't remember. Uh, it was there were so the many Rebel games, Clash. Yeah, there were so many games I was playing in Expanded that just felt like non-games because I was able to set up before my opponent was able to do anything, and they didn't get to play the game because I was so far ahead at that point. Um, so, yeah, no, uh, there are design mistakes that happen. Sometimes they bleed over into the older formats, but because Pokemon mainly designs for standard in mind, so the past year to two years of cards, Usually you don't have any issues within those standard formats, which is really nice because I've never really felt like crazy negatively about a card while it's been in standard, except for one. Um, but that card deserved to rotate because it was around for like so long. Which sure, but that's that? what card is that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Welder. Welder uh, was stupid. Oh. It changed the way the game was played fundamentally. Uh, they made the rules change around it instead of the Pokemon company admitting it needed to be banned. In Pokemon, you used to be able to play a supporter on turn one. Um, but Welder, they changed the first turn rules, so you're not allowed to play a supporter on the first turn anymore. There were uh, so many decks that would be fine with having a supporter on the first turn. Um and so many cards that relied on the first turn supporter, that Welder being nerfed for that reason, like, the fact that it alone changed the rules was really frustrating for me to see. Every single deck that played Welder was very strong. Mm -hmm. Welder play, was played at every world that it was legal in. It lasted for two years because of how it came out in the, like, set cycle. So it lasted for way past its due. That's the only card I've really had an issue with, uh, and I feel like it overstayed its welcome by a lot. 
welder for frame of reference is a supporter from unbroken bonds uh, it says mm-hmm. attach up to two fire energy cards from your hand to one of your pokemon and you can you... stop there you can stop there that would have been good enough on its own because yes. you had things like giant hearth that said discard a card find two fire energy from your deck as a stadium so it was repeatable you got to cheat on your once per turn which was attaching energy that's one of the once per turns that are you are limited in uh Welder let you add additionally two to that with your supporter. There are cards right now and in the past, like Blacksmith, where it attaches one. And those mm-hmm. cards were very playable in their time. You can continue reading the rest of Welder's yes. text now. The the rest of Welder, the second sentence says, if you do, draw three cards. Yeah. So you got to refill your hand. You went positive zero. You went a net zero on cards in hand because you played one, attached two, and drew three. So Three cards went to player into the discard, and three cards went into your hand. But in the context of the rest of the cards that were released around it, like Blacephalon GX, or the regular Blacephalon, or Reshiram Charizard, these decks that theoretically seemed like they had hard energy costs because of how high their fire energy requirements were, yep. were able to play Welder to accelerate to them, as well as refill their hand so they weren't even dead drawing through the game. Uh, Welder was so annoying to play against from the perspective of somebody not playing the fire decks that you just felt like you were making the wrong choice in deck choices when you were not picking welder it felt like you had to have a reason to not play welder instead of like having a reason to play welder Mm -hmm. this card mechanically simon i'm sure you're familiar with what i'm going to refer to Mm -hmm. mechanically this card reminds me a lot of faithless looting yeah it is Um, very similar it's it's an enabler uh, while it accelerates your game plan for literally no drawback and um, it it's very similar in the fact that like it had to have the right shell around it before it became too good right welder just had that shell with it as soon as it came out and it stayed with it for the entire time that it was legal yeah the problem with that is that it leads to cards being overpowered and and these enabler like you may play against the welder deck as a new player and think like wow uh what reshiram charizard is so overpowered it's so strong when really it's just well it was just because of welder that it that that happened you Mm -hmm. know um if there was no welder reshiram charizard would not have been able to. yeah like like uh like a blood gas is not an inherently powerful card but you faithless looting into them consistently yeah. throughout the course of the game, and it's like, well, yeah, this blood gas seems disgusting, but really, it's or not. Or like a hollow very good ones, card. not like a inherently powerful card. Exactly. Or like Phoenix, like those cards all rely on the mechanic that the faithless looting set up and resolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're also, very similar mechanically. Sorry, go ahead, Cole. I I always I mm, I also thought Wilder was was really strong because it didn't have to attach to a fire type Pokemon. Yep. That is another issue that it has. It can go to anything. So you can put it on, you can like load up uh, normal type decks or, or really anything that mm-hmm. didn't need didn't need uh, full colored energy. You can just throw it in. Yeah, uh, or you could put it on something like Mewtwo and Mew Tag Team GX, where mm-hmm. it can copy the attacks of GX Pokemon and EX Pokemon in your bench or in your discard. And with Rainbow Energy, you could find that maybe that colored type attack that you would need uh then you also had two additional energy to pay for those attacks mu3 what that's what people call mu2 and mu tag team mu3 welder decks were really irritating to play against 
Um, yeah. Just because they could attack you from so many angles. So, um, I have a slight, uh, a deviation of a question off oh, of that. Um, before, before I, before we go there, I just want to point out that this is a perfect example. Pokemon is not a perfect game. It, it's, Correct. It has its issues. Uh, things interact the way they shouldn't. Uh, I'm glad that they are okay with banning things, especially in eternal formats. So, mm-hmm. take you know that we ha- we give the game a lot of praise because it does do a lot of things right. It's very fun. And it's very interesting. And it's very different. But mistakes happen just like they happen in every card game. Things slip For through sure. cracks. So, uh, sorry. Go go ahead, Cole. Oh, um. So, what were your opinions on um on three prized, uh, three prized Pokemon? So, like your V Maxes or your Tag Team GXs, like these bigger, bulkier, uh, cards that are a lot stronger, but they give up uh, a three prize, um, give up three prizes. What do you? What are your opinions on that? And like a on the health of a of a game? I think they warp the game a little too much into the realms of relying on two knockouts instead of relying on more. When you were playing regular GXs or EXs that gave up two apiece, there were many games where you had to take fours plus knockouts to actually beat your opponent. Mm-hmm. With VMAXs, you can set it up so you only ever take two knockouts in a game to take your six prizes. I'm really interested to see where the V-Star Pokemon end up going back to with the metagame, because they only give up two prizes on their own, um, even though they are at a higher health pool than a regular V, and they have an ability like a GX or an attack like a GX. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's probably a trend in the right direction, although I think Pokemon released a couple of other like offensive cards that might make them too strong. I'm interested to see how the meta goes once Brilliant Stars comes out in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and once we start getting results in from Japan, uh, because Japan gets their cards and sets usually about three months ahead of us, so we should start seeing some of that soon. Um, but I think that three prize Pokemon in general are hard to balance because if they they can't be too strong to like take one shots without significant drawback, because then they just push everything else out. But they also can't be too weak that they can't rely on like slower control games just because such of a downside that they have when they get mm-hmm. knocked out. You can't just rely on playing that slow type of setting up and like controlling your opponent out of the game. Yeah, the the V stars is like my main um, reason for asking you that question because it it definitely feels like an entire shift um, of of design. With yeah. starting with these V-Stars, so I was wondering... I think it is an entire shift of design. Uh, yeah. We saw that shift in design philosophy from uh, Cosmic Eclipse to Sword and Shield base set with the tail end of the Sun and Moon block with the start of the Sword and Shield block. Mm-hmm. It's to the point where I would consider the Brilliance, Brilliant Stars or whatever that set's supposed to be called the like start a new of block. a new block yeah. and Fusion Strike the end of a block. That's Very a, similarly yeah. to how Heart Gold Soul Silver, when the or when Diamond Pearl released Platinum and they brought Pokemon SP into the format, which were like kind of like EXs or Vs where they weren't fully evolved, but they were like weaker than fully evolved versions but stronger than basics. Um, there was a design philosophy shift there, even though they were like the same block. Those Pokemon SP became 
very dominant and a lot of the older Pokemon didn't see a lot of play. I'm interested to see if that ends up happening with the V-Star Pokemon where there's like these blend of these two design philosophies and if that causes fun play patterns or unfun play patterns. But I'm trying to be optimistic about it because I think that Pokemon has their head in the right direction for most decisions. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Will I... Superstar or whatever star, crazy stars, uh, will that be the, the end of a... Okay. When the rotation happens... Sure. Will we lose everything from Fusion Strike back? No. So the way that Pokemon is doing rotation now is very easy. They have regulation marks on the bottom left-hand side of the card um, that show you a letter. Right now, we have D in regulation from Sword and Shield base all the way to the fourth set, which was Vivid Voltage. And then Battle Styles has E all the way up through Evolving Skies, and then Chilling Rain has F. Uh, everything past Chilling Rain will have F until they move to G. Pokemon is going to start doing rotations based off of those symbols so that they rotate out roughly the same time. So we will have the D series. <laughs> Vanguard reference. Um, we'll have the D series of cards rotate out in September. So Sword and Shield, Rabble Clash, Darkness Ablaze, and Vivid Voltage will all rotate. But everything from Battle Styles onwards will, will still be in Standard. Uh, that means that we'll lose cards like Quick Ball because even though they were reprinted in Fusion Strike, they still have that regulation symbol from that first set. Oh. So they can reprint expensive cards or like staple cards in future sets without like extending their legality, which was an issue when N was in standard because they reprinted N in a few different sets, which kept refreshing his legality, um, which led to formats where he shouldn't have really been in but he was that makes sense because Very we're cool. getting ultra ball yeah. soon so it would make sense if quick ball could um cycle out basically now here's a question um sure. i'm looking at mew v from uh -huh. fusion strike it has an f on it it has an it has an e on it does it really yeah which i can uh here i'll oh they do have an e on it in japan they had an f so that means that these will rotate at the same time as the battle styles set will. Okay, Japan, so they I'm want to keep sure all that together. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That Let's is something I, I did not know about the... Uh, I had heard that they changed the way rotation happened, but I hadn't paid too much attention because it wasn't of merit to me at the time. So. Oh, in Japan, they still have an E. Um, okay. Oh, uh, so I was Brilliant Stars. Brilliant Stars is an F. Brilliant Stars is F, yeah. So okay. that you can see almost a shift in design philosophy between those sets that have the letters. Yeah. Um, which I love. Which I think, I think cool. that's I, that's great. It's very neat. It's easy for players to understand. And there is no confusion on what is in standard when that happens. Right. Like mm -hmm. now that they've officially sh like shifted over to that, you can tell somebody if your card has a D stamp or an E stamp on the bottom, you are good to play it. Right. Like, unless the card is banned, you are completely set. It's a lot easier than magic, right? Which is like, well, the symbol looks kind of like a fairy's head, but then you can also play the one that looks like an axe a with a set symbol. And the, yeah. this one's teeth. Yeah, it's really... You gotta play... All your cards have to have the calzone symbol on them to be able to play them. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no very unifying thing in magic. Yeah. 
like everything in a set has the same set symbol, but then it's like, well, I don't know the set symbol. I don't know the set code. Right. This is super nice. I like 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 Flesh and Blood uses a set a three letter set code, mm-hmm. but Flesh and Blood's non rotating, so that's not important. But I like the little, very clear. It's not obscured by anything. It's right down by the the card number. There's your letter. You can play this. Yeah, big fan of that. All right, uh, this has been a wonderful discussion, Simon. Um... I talk a lot. I'm sorry. No, no man. This... Thanks for coming. Honestly, it's like great. I hope you had fun. Uh, oh I yeah, hope... for sure. Yeah, we'll need to I have just... you on to talk about the retro formats. I could talk about that even longer than I can talk about <laughs> this. Be careful what you wish for, Cole. Fantastic. I can talk about base Neo. I can talk about base Jungle. I can talk about Ruby Sapphire through Power Keepers. I can talk hey. about Neo through Sky Ridge. I can talk about 2006 Worlds format, 2010s World format, all the different startup rules for each format. Did you know that at one point in Pokemon, you were forced <laughs> to pick your mulligan draws from your opponent? There was a deck that only played one Pokemon, and their goal was to deck their opponent out through draws before the match even started. Yeah, Retro Pokemon is very interesting. Simon, uh, what's your what's your favorite Pokemon? My favorite Pokemon? Yeah. Jirachi. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. What's your favorite Jirachi? Po- Go ahead. Uh, what's your favorite Pokemon card? My favorite Pokemon card? Um I really like Jirachi from EX Deoxys. It's a two thousand five or two thousand six set. Uh it's the it got retrained when Team Up came out with the new Stellar Wish Jirachi. Uh, they play very similarly, but the old Jirachi is inherently more powerful. I also think, like, outside of that, I think Zoroark GX is probably one of my favorites. And then past that, I don't really know. I like playing a lot of different stuff. I don't really develop favorites too often. I like decks that are really splashable, like I talked earlier. Yeah. I like Zoroark because you could fit a bunch of different engines in it, whether it was Zoro. Zoroark Lysopod, Zoroark Gardevoir, Zoroark Lycanroc. There were a bunch of different engines you could play with it. And then the Jirachi is just a setup Pokemon, uh, plus it's one of my favorites, so it obviously gets bonus points in my Sure, mind. of course, of course. Okay. <laughs> all right. Cool. Uh, we're going we're gonna to close it out then. That's it. Yeah, guys, these are probably all going to be long episodes, so people that really like to listen to us uh, ramble, and our guests... Uh, you're in for a treat. Oh boy, are over you? Over these next couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. Again, Simon, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, oh, it was a pleasure. Yeah, it was great. Cole, you got anything else for Simon before we we head out here? Uh, where do you work again? Just if you want to shout that out. <laughs> uh, I work at a store called Monster Games. We're located in Highland Heights, Kentucky, right next to Cincinnati. We're about five minutes south. It's not hard to find. Um, we do a bunch of cool stuff. We have Magic, Pokemon, Dragon Ball, Digimon, uh, a bunch of different card games. Uh, so if you ever want to check us out, if you're ever in the area, feel free to come in. Say hi to me. Say where you heard me from or where you got recommended. And I will do my best to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout-outs to Monster Games for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Simon, obviously the homie. So. Yeah, shout-outs to them. All right. Uh, if you want to shout us out on a review uh, for the podcast, that'd be greatly appreciated. I don't know if we're on Google yet. I haven't had any free time to figure that out, but like that, that is... Uh, the people, the, cool. the numbers are pouring in. People are listening to us anyway. Yeah. If, we're, if we're not on Google, people have figured it out by now. Correct, yeah. 
Uh, <clears throat> also, uh, on the drivecheck.net, uh, Alan is working on revamping that. So if you're here for Vanguard and you want to you want to use our our deck builder, uh, that will be uh, that will be available. It, it actually might still be available. anyway. You can you can find that on on drivecheck.net. Uh, patreoncom slash drivecheck if you want to give us a couple dollars. Um, hosting two podcasts gets quite expensive. So every every dollar that you can contribute every month really goes a long way, honestly, truly does. Um, if you want to find us on YouTube, uh, just search Drive Check Podcast, and you can find uh, our YouTube channel. Which I need to upload some some other card games, like uh, the game that Andy and I played last week. I think that I haven't uploaded yet uh, for Flesh and Blood. That's up there. We'll be up there soon. Yeah, we'll have some we'll have some Pokemon up there too. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna go pretty deep with Fusion Strike. It looks really fun. So yeah, yeah, I'm so excited for so many cards in that set. It's got one of my favorite Pokemon in it, so I'm excited. I think I'm gonna build Gengar for sure. So Gengar's really solid. I, yeah. I think that deck's gonna be a lot better than what people are. It looks really cool. It's always gravy when you like you see a Pokemon like you know in any game you're like hey this is kind of like my favorite thing and then it mm-hmm. ends up being sweet. Uh, mm-hmm. it's That's me and so Bolton. Nice. Um, I, okay, so actually, like, side tangent, um, the same time that Fusion Strike comes out, there's gonna be two, uh, pre-constructed decks coming out, there's gonna be one focused on Rapid Strike Urshifu, and one focused on Single Strike Urshifu, and those are gonna be, you basically, you'll buy two of those and a couple extra upgrades, and you should have a pretty competitive deck right out the, right out the gate for those, um, and those are coming out, so if you're really curious and wanna jump in, just buy two of the same of those decks and maybe a couple extra cards here and there and you can have a pretty competitive deck competitive deck right off the gate. So Yes, and Fusion Strike will be out by the time you guys are hearing this. It yes. Comes out today Friday, as tomorrow. of recording. So oh god. Yes it does. Yeah. Oh god. Okay. So you guys will be able to pick some up. Uh I don't know when those decks come out, but should They're be slated for release at the start of December, but some stores have been giving them early. They got oh, delayed, okay. But then they started coming into the product a little bit earlier than anticipated. So gotcha. It's kind of a toss-up for when you'll be able to get them, but December fourth, I believe, is the slated release date for them. Currently. Okay. Okay. Check I, your I locals them. for the decks if you're interested. Yeah. Yeah, I remember them coming out on the same time as Fusion Strike. But uh, uh, if you want to watch us play live, or you want to watch Drive Check record live. Uh, occasionally we do twitch.tv slash drive underscore check if you want to give us a sub and a follow there uh, we yeah, play... if you follow turn on your notifications so that when we go live for random games or whatever we're playing we don't always mm-hmm. have the time to shout it out preemptively so yep. hit the hit the notifications thing god I sound yep. like a YouTuber but it will let you know <laughs> if you want to catch us on like a random Wednesday night or something yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to send us an email or give your praise to Simon, uh, you can send that to drivecheckpodcast at gmail.com. And, or if you want to give us a, a, a tweet uh, at drive underscore check, uh, I am at uh, Cole underscore McCune. That's C O L E underscore M C C U N E. Andy, where can they find you? Yeah, best way to get a hold of me is through the Discord. If you're not a member of the Drive Check Discord, what are you doing? Why aren't you a member of the Drive Check Discord? Get it together, people. But if you're not, uh, just message me. Anybody can message me. It's uh, nerdbane at nerdbane, hashtag 4526. And Simon, if anyone would like to reach out to you, how could they do that? 
Um, you can find me on Facebook, but I don't want to give out my last name for posterity. Uh, <laughs> if you want to message our store on Facebook, I have access to the emails. Uh, Let's so do that. You can find me there, or you can find me on Twitter at Scoliosis Steve. That's a long thing. I can't really explain. We're not going to get that. For the name. If, if you also, if you guys have a question. If you guys have a question for us or for Simon about Pokemon, about Pokemon deck building, about decks, anything Pokemon, uh, you can hit us up via the email and we will get that question to Simon. Mm-hmm. And we will, he will answer it. I will answer very, very thoroughly and very in-depth. So Correct. if you have any questions whatsoever, please feel free to ask them. Yeah. I love talking about the game. We will shoot you back an email or whatever. We'll get, we'll get it going for sure. So Exactly. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week with another game in the deck building thing that we haven't come up with yet. We don't know which one yet, but stay tuned. It'll be cool. And scene.